Suzuki Radio Show. Hello, 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 hello. 2014 is coming to an end. We just celebrated a certain famous carpenter's birthday, and it's a perfect time to big up the fluffy highlights in the Dookie Radio Show's lives. And by the Dookie Radio Show, I refer to my own life as well as the lives of my partners in crime. This is the state of my brain at the moment. When you said famous carpenter's birthday, I thought, oh, was Karen born around this time? I don't think so, but she's at least close to you. But that's how much Nutella I have had over the Christmas holiday. Or Richard Carpenter, the It could be Richard's. Yeah, that guy's a little, uh, hi everyone, uh, he's a little, uh, he's, he's an eccentric guy. Or American film director, John Carpenter. Yeah, him I'm not so, so familiar with. That's just the state of my brain. When you said famous carpenter, I thought, oh, why is he talking about Karen's birthday? Jesus, something's wrong with you. Well, exactly. Dookie, can I just say... We are going to talk about stuff. I love stuff. That's happened in 2014, but we're doing it in different categories that loosely follow the categories that you would find in a game of Trivial Pursuit. Facebook. Click on your mouse to our Facebook page Facebook It's easy to find, it will not take an age Facebook www.facebook.com Forward slash The Dukey Radio Show The Dukey Radio Show the thin white Dukey is right. Click your way to the Dukey Radio Show Facebook page. www.facebook.com forward slash the Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. You know the you know the crap stuff that's happened over the year or the shit stuff. You know, there's plenty of people out there. You know, journalists and comedians, you know, plowing that particular furrow. That furrow has been well and truly plowed. It's well plowed. plowed. You know, all these comedians come out during the this time of year and they go, you know, crap, low lights of the year or whatever. And, you know, and you're just, I'm just like, you know, what are you guys so angry about? You know, what, you, your 30 million in the bank isn't quite enough for you? You know what? I don't get it. So. I'm thinking about one comedian in particular. I think you know who I'm talking about, Dookie. I do. You know, the guy's got all the success he could want, and yet, you know, his act just gets angrier and angrier. And and this comedian, he also is before my time in country, but I, I guess he used to be part of a really famous duo. Yes. And now, uh, you know, he's got a lot of success, but now his wife is a really successful comedian, and now his ex-partner in, in comedy is also making a big comeback. And, and he writes for the newspaper, and his act just keeps getting angrier and bitterer and angrier. And, and, and I saw him in January, and it's just like, what, you know, you're... You know, all the success you could ever want in the world, that, that isn't enough for you. You still got to be angry. 
We're not going to do that, are we, Dookie? We're going to celebrate the fine and fluffy things that have happened to Team Dookie Radio Show over the last 360-odd days. Should we just tell the Dookie Show listeners what we're drinking? Because I I certainly never heard of it. Marcia, I know that you had never heard of it. Yeah, I wish I'd never heard of it. And Dookie, you have introduced us to this particular aperitif. From the left ventricle of the Czech Republic, Bekarovka. Yeah, um, I got one adjective for this drink. Hit me. Medicinal. It tastes as though it's good for you. And in fact, there are some Czech people who believe that it gives you the poison that causes intoxication as well as the cure for the inevitable hangover the next day all in one sip it would be a good air freshener it does have a cinnamony herbally there's a cinnamon there but there's smelly there's there's also yeah there's also a um like new york cab pine type of smell to it where do you want me to drive you i do not go over exactly. bridge dookie i'm not i uh, bless you and i really wish that i could like it but it's 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 tough it, how do you know about this drink anyway what can i say in my youth i toured the czech republic and was introduced to the uh-huh. glories of this fine spirit i not had the chance to have some in quite some time, and uh, it's a, a walk down non-hangover lane. Okay, well, I can see where, yes, I can see where it would be the cause and the cure. I've got a I'm going to persevere slightly. Marcia, I know you've given up, but I'm going to persevere and see if I can get to like it. Yeah, I'm not... Um, should we talk about our first category? Hit me! Uh, we got travel. Travel. Travel to the continent. Travel to one particular part of the continent. Germany. You had a good time in Germany, didn't you, dude? Absolutely. Yeah. We travelled there, myself and Top Buzzer, a number of times uh, in 2014. And one instance in particular is standout good. It doesn't really involve the gig, though. It involves my interaction with a German man prior to sound check. So it's daylight, we're loading in gear, and a random chap, a man that I'd never met before and who does not know Top Buzz of my band, let alone any of its members, came up to me and was asking about what was going on that particular evening. We got to talking and I informed him that I was in said band and that we were going to be strutting our stuff at this venue in the heart of Hamburg later on that night. And what he said afterwards really warmed the cockles of my cock. Actually, that sounds as though he turned me on. Do you have cockles in your cock? I do now. It warmed my cockles. And he said, now that I've just met you, I will buy you a beer. And he did, and we carried on talking. He came along to the show, and a random person who was at the market 
doing his shopping rather than wanting to do anything with that particular music venue. So it was a very, very, very touching moment with a German Hamburg man. I think we should all do that. I think we should, you know, I'll introduce myself to you and then I'll buy you a drink. It's a fantastic way to get to meet people. or something, you know? Mm. Another thing which Hamburg presented itself with is one of the most interesting buskers I have ever come across. Now, I've travelled the world and indeed everywhere and have seen many a person with an acoustic guitar brandished around their neck doing Beatles songs. We met a, a chap, well, not met, saw a chap who looked to be a bit of a barnacle. This is a person who, probably pushing 80 or so, who was doing exclusively... Beatles-related covers. Now, the Beatles obviously have a long-standing history with Hamburg. They had a residency there at the Star Club. It's not there anymore. Don't go looking for it. And it got me wondering whether or not the early Beatles may have come across this man because he was doing Beatles covers in a way that I've never heard before and doing really bizarre Beatles songs that you would never, ever think about. Were they Oompa Loompa, like Hard Day's Night, Oompa well, a, Loompa? a little bit. Well, like, for instance, one of the tracks that he was doing was Bungalow Bill, a track which you I may not no have heard idea of. It. It's on is. the White Album. And he would do some of the more famous tracks as well, like Hey Jude. But the melodies were all quite different. Um, but close enough, and it made me wonder whether or not the four lads may have come across this man in Hamburg in 1961. Oh, yeah. And possibly lifted the tunes, because it wasn't as though this man was doing oh, yeah. covers. That's interesting. And they sounded a bit like, la, 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 La 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 la, la 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 la, Yeah, I think that's a good theory. It's almost like a conspiracy theory. Like the Beatles stole this this guy's songs and, you know, went on to international infamy. And, you know, this poor old guy is standing out on the street in Hamburg. And he was doing strange chord changes, so he had quite a... My goodness, I mean, a, a, a repertory of at least a hundred songs. He was out there on the market for at least three hours. And it made me wonder if the Beatles split in 1970 was due to the fact that they lost contact with this ingenious Hamburg man. Dookie, I need to take this opportunity to yes. do something. You know... There's, there was a time, there was a while ago that I did a list of Dookie Radio Show vocabulary for our listeners on the other side of the pond who may need to be familiarized with some certain things like, you know, Cockney rhyming slang and stuff like that. And th I need to update that. But this is a perfect opportunity to explain one of them because you use the word barnacle. Yes. Now, it's also um, a very common word that you use is the word weapon. Yes. Which is kind of like if somebody is a tool, but even more so, you know, they're not, they're such a big annoyance to you that they've gone way beyond tool into weaponry. Am I right? You are most definitely right. And you need to explain what 
barnacle is because you had to explain this to marcia and i now barnacle as a reference came from a curb your enthusiasm episode one of the episodes featuring jason alexander who plays george in seinfeld yes and the word barnacle was used in the context of so-and-so is a classic barnacle, meaning that they're a bit of a, a bottom feeder. I gotcha. Now, for me, barnacle became an alternative to weapon, meaning that somebody may have the appearance or the behaviour of a weapon, but is in fact harmless. And barnacle's a good way to describe that. Somebody who may seem to be disagreeable, but it just turns out they're a bit of a bottom feeder. And they're well-intentioned. Yes. Usually. Yes. Dookie, do you want number two? Hit me! We've got sports. Sports? And this category, Dookie, has something to do with myself and mine and Marcia's living room. Ah, yes, the music. The Tour de France, which... This year, 2014, managed to pedal its way through London town. But we're not going to talk about that. Many, many a show breaking down the highlights of 2014 have done that. This particular sport highlight relates to your good self, Sylvia. Yes. The Tour de Sylvia's sitting room. Dookie. I bought one of those bicycle thingies that you hook up to your actual bicycle that turns it into an exercise bike that you can use in your living room. I believe it's called a stationary bicycle. Well, no, but it's not actually a stationary bicycle. It's one of the things that you put on the back wheel. Right. That turns it into a stationary bicycle. So you use an actual bike. You use a normal functioning bicycle and then with this special apparatus you're able to get everything uh, yes. working without movement so you can pedal if away if you watch the lance armstrong documentary or any one of them they, when 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 he's training he's in his garage and he's using one of these things like it's his actual bike and when they when they get done with the tour so that they can you know warm down more slowly they get on these bad boys so that, you know, you don't go from like 100 miles an hour to nothing. And it probably has something to do with the doping and to prevent too much uh, yeah, shock to the system. Yeah, you know, maybe it makes him less of an asshole. Who, who knows? But um, And you've got something on it which I presume creates friction to yes. simulate cycle racing conditions. Wind, hills, bad, bad wind. Yes. Resistance, basically. We had one of those hooked up to our television for a month. And wait, where the you set it up so that the bicycle, yeah, when pedaled, would enable the television to operate, yeah. But as soon as that ended, yeah, so did the television transmission to your respective flat. And and Sylph, you know, God knows I love you, but your stamina isn't what it could be. It's it's so true. My stamina is not enough to see us through the whole. You know, how long are they racing for in, in one day of the Tour de France? It's like three hours or something like that. My stamina is like 10 minutes. So it didn't really work out none too good. Dookie, I have a living room littered with exercise equipment. It is like an exercise equipment crackdown. You need it's, to exercise the exercise She stuff. just bought this 
what did you buy? One of those twisty boards that you, you, you look like you're doing the twist on it? Yes, I did fall prey to the Pineapple Dance Studio twister board. A twister Because board. it's supposed to whittle your waist. Right. Now, to be fair, I got it for only like £5.99. Did you connect this to your television as no, well? No, but maybe I should because I used it when I got it from the store just to see how it worked. And that was like two months ago. And is it working? You I don't both look know. absolutely fabulous. And the idea Bless. that we're discussing fitness and weight is absolutely silly. Dookie, it's just, you know, it's. And now I've got these uh, elastic bands that are supposed to, like, you can use as, as lifting weights. Now, I've used those twice. Yeah, and those are now sitting next to the television. I know. It is, it is an exercise. Equipment cracked in. You're addicted to fitness. I'm addicted to fitness. So it was Tor de Sylvia and Marcia's living room in July, along with all all the boys who cycled from Yorkshire to France. I was going to say Bradley Wiggins there, but he didn't actually make it, did he? Bless him. No. So that was me. That was I was representing for the United States and England in the Tour de France in in our living room. The Tour de Sylvia's sitting room. The Tour de Sylvia's sitting room. Yeah, guys. So the next uh, the next highlight is uh, history. This is a personal favorite of mine. We had some history this year because Dookie, you knew about this, but Mar uh, um, Sylvia and I didn't. Right. Are we referring to certain rock documentaries and We're, people, shall yeah. we say, illustrating their own weaponry? This is rock dinosaur weaponry. And I'll tell you what, this. Sylvia and I quote these guys all the time because this is people who are. You know, it's their assholery is of such a gigantic proportions that all you can do is laugh at it. Now, one of the documentaries is strangely relevant now because the group in question and the person who we'll be hearing from shortly is about to become far more public on account of a new album having just come out this month, December 2014. And we're talking about the majesty and the weaponry of one David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Wow, this this guy, yeah. Wait, can I just uh, say one thing before, yes. you, before you introduce us? The thing that bothers me about this particular gentleman is that when you hear him, he's got one of those lip things going on. You know that some people talk. Yeah, it's that where they can't. And you're, uh, Dookie, I swear I am. I swear. See, I'm doing it now. You just uh, see, it's spreading. Uh, see, I swear I am a pacifist. But when I hear people doing that, it sends me into a violent rage. And if anyone is watching the soap opera EastEnders at the moment, listen out for Max's cop girlfriend, because she's got the same thing. And it's almost making it unwatchable for me. That, I, I cannot bear that. So Ooh. listen out for that. But more importantly, he's, he sounds like a difficult person. Absolutely. Un Challenging. Unsavory character. I would say challenging. 
David Gilmore here from Pink Floyd discussing the type of banter that happens post-gig. One of the very irritating things about being post-show is when it's been a bad one and someone comes in and says, that was fucking great, you know, because you resent them and you think, what the fuck do you know? It was crap. What I do for a living sometimes involves, very fortunately, people coming up and complimenting me afterwards. Even if I think that it's been personally for me, even if I feel like I haven't done as well as I could. And when they say, oh, thanks so much, I've really enjoyed that. It kind of makes me feel better. I think, oh, okay, well, I'm glad, I'm glad they enjoyed it. But what I'm going to do for all of 2015 is whenever anybody says, I really enjoyed that, even if I think it wasn't very good, I'm going to resent them for it. And I'm going to say to them, what the fuck do you know? It was crap. In the world of comedy, I know that a sign that your act or routine is working is when you're feeling shite, but you're able to make people laugh. The idea that when you're not feeling great about a particular gig, and that it still has resonated with people and you get random strangers coming up and wanting to engage with you who enjoyed the, the whole situation, it, it makes me feel quite happy. And it, it's sometimes it, it um, this guy, can yeah, alter but, my take on the whole show well, yeah, that occurred I mean, before. Didn't he also say that music wasn't really Roger Waters' forte? Yes, here he is talking about Roger Waters and this particular part of the documentary. And the documentary in question is, Which One's Pink? The Pink Floyd Story. Um, here is David Gilmore talking about Roger Waters and his dominance in the group's dynamic around the time of the war. My musical taste and abilities had as just as much, actually, if not more, to do with it all than Rogers. And that if I allowed um, this dictatorship to become real and uh, total, then our music would suffer, as I didn't think that uh, still don't that is really roger's main forte ultimately my word he's fabulous ultimately fabulous now while roger waters solo albums may not have been stellar in the sales stakes the fact that the wall is very much a Roger Waters effort, and the it did fact kind of that... well in the stores. I'm led to assume mm. the wall. It did. A, it did. A, it did. It did a little bit okay yes, in the it, it charts. Was slightly I believe. good in the sales stakes. Yes. and ultimately, you can look at a, a work like the wall, which, as we sit here and chat, inevitably and invariably is being played on about. 100,000 radio stations across North America at this very moment. And that number probably is not a, an exaggeration. And although this might be harsh, and I'm not trying to discount David Gilmore's emotions about the whole issue. Yeah, don't but, go uh, all earnest on it. Okay. Don't go all earnest. Okay, right. Now, in the last year, 
Roger Waters' The Wall was staged at the O2 Arena. That's a powerful I thing, think, and it sold out in milliseconds. The music is the guy, is for, you know, what's great is me and Sylph, you know, we make each other dinner now and again, and, you know, one, you know, whoever didn't make it will say, oh, you know, that was really good. And, and now we're just walking around going, yeah, well, what the fuck do you know? It was crap. You know, it's just, it's great. It makes me laugh. I don't think there's going to be a 40th anniversary performance of David Gilmour's Momentary Lapse of Reason. Uh, Should we talk about the other assholery of the rock dinosaurs that you introduced us to this year, Dookie? Yes, this is something that I've certainly felt on stage many, many times. The documentary is about American band The Eagles. The person who is being interviewed here is Glenn Frey, although you insist he's called Frey. That's Glenn Frey! It's F-R-E-Y. Yeah, but that's how he pronounces it, Fry. It's his name. My name is Duque. If you if you pronounced your name, yeah, Duque. Right, we need to set the scene here. Yeah. It's California. Yeah. It's 1980. And the band are quite chumsy with certain democratic politicians in that part of the world who are supporters of green causes. One of them being Senator Alan Cranston. Yada, yada, yada. That's technical terminology, by the way. The group do a fundraiser for the green initiatives being supported by Jerry Brown and Alan Cranston. There's a chap in the Eagles called Don Felder, who is probably not a weapon, but just a barnacle, really. He seems a little barnacly to me. Oh, just a wee bit. So the band are just about to go on stage to do this Cranston fundraising shindig. And Cranston had thanked them for their efforts. A charity gig. A charity gig. So they weren't making any money. No. Yes. And, um, you know, Cranston went up to each eagle and went up to Don Felder and said, Thank you very much. Don Felder replied, You're welcome, I guess. This angered Glenn Frey. So I started getting towards the end of the set and I'm looking at him going, Three more songs, asshole. You know, and I'm looking at him and I am ready to go. I can't wait to get my hands on him. And the the notion that you're on stage. They're on stage. And They're on stage. So when we were at your gig the other night, Dookie, which, by the way, was a rock and a roll. Oh, thanks very we, much. Jeez. Me and Marcia were looking at each other going, three more songs, asshole. And, <laughs> I, you know, it's just. It just makes us laugh. We're just quoting it all the time. Three more songs, asshole. Now, according to non-Canadian performer Joe Walsh... Whoa, when that kind of stuff is on stage and you're in front of people, you got problems. And you got something. (laughs) Absolutely. And the the notion of of being excited with each passing song to enable the moment of the ass-kicking... Fantastic. have you ever looked across the stage at Ed and said, three more songs, asshole, and Ed says back, I can't wait. I can't wait. Has that ever happened to you? No. No. Maybe it should. Possibly. Dookie, that is some serious rock dinosaur assholery, and we're loving it. Loving that's the highlight of the assholery of the year. So, uh, 
the next one is um, art and literature. We just got one name under this. Grayson Perry, who's also known as Claire. But here he is as Grayson, talking about his latest work, Who Are You? This series came about because identity is one of those words that gets used a lot, you know, in, particularly in a sort of political terms. And it always seems like a slippery term to me. And so I'm, I'm fascinated by those things that um, are confronting us daily all the time with every waking minute, but also we don't talk about. And I want to bring them into awareness, really. And that's what I see my job as in these things, is bringing these things into awareness so that we can, you know, we can look at them and go, is it working for us? And so how we went about this... Duki, is that him talking about his theories? It is indeed. Okay, Grayson so that's Perry. not him winning because he won the Turner Prize and he also has an alter ego called Claire, who's a little girl. So he dresses up like Claire in, in very, very floofy dresses. And he has a teddy bear who he calls Alan Measles. Now, to use Marcia's phrase, you know, there's lots of people out there who are smarter than me who are plowing the particular furrow of Grayson Perry, whether he wants his furrow plowed or not, is not for me to say. But, Dookie, I have read his biography. Now, did you know that he used to live upstairs from Boy George and Marilyn? I had heard about that. Okay, so that, see, that's, you know, he makes pots and he makes amazing art and he's, he's amazing and Claire is amazing and it's all amazing. But his biography is particularly amazing because it's just really interesting. He was a rock hard punker in the 70s. And then he had quite an interesting time in the 80s. And he squatted in various places, one of which was in London Town. And he lived upstairs from Boy George in Maryland, which as I thought was do. very interesting, as you do. And he lived in some really diabolical places. I recall an interview in which he was talking about a flood taking place in the very house that um, he yes. had shared with Boy George and Marilyn in the mid to late 80s. I think the lower ground floor, the basement area had been flooded. And it, instead of being panicked about it, the residents in the house were actually celebratory and treated it as an indoor swimming facility. Oh, yes, that, that makes me feel a little hooky, I must say. A little hooky. And also, he, you know, he didn't have any furniture as well. So he and his best friend went out and found a mattress that had been discarded on the streets. And they kind of had to, and it was full of damp, and they kind of had to let it, like, de-dampify for, like, a week before they could, and then they, they feared this it just, doesn't that make you feel a little ooky? It is a bit ooky. I mean, I know I've had a very sheltered life. So it just, so reading about these people who haven't had such a sheltered life just fascinates me. And I wish, I wish he was my brother, throat sister. I really do. Grayson Perry is a true institution. I love the fact that a Turner Prize wonderful. winner has a punk pedigree and yes. has experienced swimming in a London house basement that formed due to flooding with both Marilyn and Boy George. I think he's wonderful. And speaking of wonderful people who I wish were my brother, Z. Oh, before you, yes. you start with that, though. Yes. We also went to see his exhibit at the National Gallery. Yes, we did. Entitled... Grayson Perry. Who are you? 
Dookie, I really wanted, you know what I wanted to do? Because we went into the gift shop afterwards and they had some of his like replica art for sale. But even the replicas, you know, they're like limited editions. Mm. You know, they're like, you know, bank balance affecting type prices. Right? You need to sell an organ to be able to afford one for of them. For me, yes. And one of the good organs. And Dookie, I very, for like three days, Marcia will back me up on this. I seriously, seriously considered heating up my credit card with one of these. Yeah, uh, Dookie, the number of conversations in our living room about whether you want to whack one of these bad boys onto the credit card and you know what? Yeah, it was, but you didn't do it, did you? No, I decided, I decided not to. Because I think if, you know, you're either Charles Sautier and you're not, and I kind of decided that I'm not. Yet. Well, you know, not that I would want to be Charles Sautier, because I think he's a rather unsavory character. But you know what I mean. I mean, I would like to, like, I wish that we knew somebody who was, like, really amazing and up and coming. That I could buy, like, they would gift me one of their pieces of art for my birthday. And then, oh my gosh, all of a sudden next year they're winning the Turner Prize and it's worth a quarter of a million. You know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. We need to find these people, befriend yes. them, and get some I presents. I don't mean to be, I, I realize that that must sound really mercenary. <laughs> I just, it's not even the money so much as I just, I guess I just want to be Gertrude Stein. She and she was a rather unsavory character, I think, and she didn't like women. So maybe I didn't like, I mean, she didn't like women in that way. But didn't she like women? <laughs> well, she liked women as in like to be coupled with, but she was kind of like a 1950s man in that she kind of thought that women should be, you know, scrubbing the floors and barefoot in the kitchen kind of thing. Seen and not heard. Yes. Seen so, cleaning. But, you know, she knew Picasso and Matisse and all these, you know, artists who were up and coming at the time and then before you know it you know they're worth millions i want to be her and i want to have a salon on thursday nights where we have all these amazing people coming around to talk about art and politics and drink chablis do you drink chablis i don't know I in, do in a literary salon what do you drink in a literary salon Bekarovka. Oh, okay. So I better be sucking down this bad boy and getting to like it. Absolutely. Get some of that, Dania. Dookie, I don't know how we got off on that, but now can we talk about entertainment? Hit me. Dookie, there has been only one show on television this year. And Dookie, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, Dog oh. Hotel. Oh, Dookie. And the listeners, if you're regular listeners, you know about mine and Dookie's love for this show, which is called The Dog Hotel, about the house of Hugo, which is in Brighton, or just outside Brighton in a place called Shoreham. It is a show that has transformed our lives. Dookie, can I just... Put my bragging hat on for a minute. You very kindly got me a House of Hugo shirt for Christmas, which I am wearing at this very moment. And the boys, can we call them the boys? I really want to call them the boys. Matt and Leon, who own the, the dog hotel, the House of Hugo, 
who I really, really, really want them to be my brothers, they have actually requested a picture of me in the shirt. And if that didn't make my Christmas day, oh, nothing will. This is through the social network. Oh, yes. Of Twitter. Dookie, you tweeted them uh, Merry Christmas and they retweeted. Uh, and favorited. And favorited. And then you said that you had got me a House of Hugo t-shirt and... They said they want to see a picture of me. So, Dookie, after we're finished recording today, I need to put my corset on. So, and I need to do my nails and all that so that I can look fabulous for this picture. Because I need the boys to see me looking amazing. It's Although, quite lovely. I have to say, yeah. I'm not really a huge Twitter fanatic. I really only check in every couple of days. But... We did get rather excited. We when got a little excited, the lads didn't we, from, Dookie? From Dog Hotel. They're just so favorited lovely. Favorited and retweeted our, uh, our comments about the program. We quote the them program. endlessly. So, I mean, it's just so many of these things just provide us with valuable quotes. Quote. So we walk around going, you know, we even put some of the business on our credit cards and we quote Leon saying, oh my God, you can't tell our moms that. You know, because it just makes us giggle. And, and, uh, butlers with bums, it introduced us to that. Butlers with bums. You can imagine what that is. Absolutely. I hope the show um, is available on DVD soon so that people who live in <gasps> non-UK territories oh, can dookie. enjoy the glories of Dog Hotel. It really is a, a feel-good programme and probably the only kind of dog-related show that i've ever come across that is 100 percent fluffy so many of the others have a dark side to it and yes it's usually they always tell you oh you know that's well you know house of hugo has done that a bit where they've said you know some uh, you know a dog might have had a rough background but you know they don't concentrate on that and you know lots of dog people people are really doggy are just also they don't like people which and and therefore, us doggy people kind of get accused of liking animals more than we like people. And for me, and I know for you, Dookie, that's just not true. Mm. I love dogs more than anything, but I also love people. And that's what I love about Matt and Leon is that they, they love dogs and they love people too. It comes across on their own uh, Twitter feeds yes. as well. They clearly have a strong bond with all of their friends and Customers, clients yes. at a dog hotel, and so it's, it's and just they about, about us, and they've been tweeting oh, our words. I feel like a One Direction fan. I couldn't be more excited if I don't know. It's just they're like celebrities, and and they're just amazing people. And if they're listening, and I really, really hope you are listening, Matt and Leon. I really hope you have a nice holidays and you guys and Summer and Lulu and Hugo and Scooby. All of your lovely doggies who are just lovely. Yeah, should we move on to the last one? Hit me. Yeah, we got science. Science? We got science. So this isn't just science. This is, in a way, molecular Gastronomy. I prefer to think of it as alchemy. Because alchemy. I have just made this particular batch of what we're going to talk about, and it felt like alchemy. To give us a little flavour for what it is, yes. here is James Wong to tell us a little bit about the properties of the beverage 
that we will soon yes. be chatting about. I don't know whether it's a saffron or just pure calorific comfort eating, but a glass of this and all your problems magically disappear. Saffron eggnog is the particular elixir that uh, we have been enjoying quite a bit over the festive season. It's a scientific miracle, this stuff, because I'm not a big eggnog kind of gal. You know, if if you get eggnog, if you grow up in the States, you know, you're used to getting your eggnog from Safeway, from Quicksave, from King Supers, you know, wherever you shop, right? And you get a carton of this stuff and, you know, it's pretty viscous. You know, it's a viscous type of food stuff. And, you know, it does the job. It just never really appealed to me personally because, it, you know, it's pretty heavy on the sugar. Right? You've had it, haven't you, Dookie? I American have had egg the, yeah. the North American pre-made yeah. carton version of, of eggnog. You know, it does what it does. And it's just really not, it doesn't appeal to my taste. So but I never was no, really an eggnog kind of it, gal. It's, it's definitely not a, a case of all your problems magically disappear when you have one of those. No, However, but unless you have it with whiskey. Go. Oh. So the American stuff with a little bit, because uh, I used to think, yeah, I could take it or leave it. But then somebody gave me a glass of it with whiskey in it, and it, it, near, it did change the holidays for me. It helps to make your, your troubles disappear. It did but the, help. But the saffron, homemade variation I of it. I think this is where it's at. Absolutely. Yes. Created by... James Wong. Yes, I take no credit for this. I mean, I just followed his instructions. It is, it is, so should I tell you what's in it? <laughs> because it is, it is alchemy. I don't, I don't, I, I would reject the phrase molecular gastronomy because it's just, to me, why, yeah, she's too nice to say it, but what she means is that it equals wanky. <laughs> yes. And we, last week, we, or on the last show, we spent a fair bit of time talking about food programs, and I think it, uh, it may have done something to my brain. Yes, I just don't want to sound pretentious. And, and, and I'm really not, you know, I really don't enjoy cooking very much. And, I, and, you know, I can follow a recipe and it turns out fine. But I'm not, I have no, no pretensions to doing anything with food other than make it like food that's edible right so but this is so it's just milk with some saffron in it which does give it a nice color and a nice note to it because saffron is kind of an unusual flavor but you also put a bit of orange peel in it and some bay leaves which is weird i mean it is weird isn't it it's weird, but because it works, but it's not weird. Yes. So then, and then you add cream and golden syrup, and is that it? Oh, and then you have to whisk that for like ever. So my shoulder was falling off. And then you take it off the heat and you let it cool down, and then you add some lovely rum. And for some reason, all of those ingredients combine in a very scientific kind of way. Prior to serving it, you yes. put in a little bit of ice as well as some ground yes. nutmeg. Yes, that is very nice. And we've been putting it on ice because I've been making it a bit too thick. So um, a little bit of ice helps to thin it down a little bit. Or will you just add more rum? 
And, and I'm not a big rum gal. Neither am I. Well, You're I'm not, not a, a big, rum girl yes. anyway. Yes. I've thought about being one, but... Uh, You'd be a cute rum girl. One day, maybe. Maybe that'll be my... So... One of my yeah. resolutions for 2015. So, but it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and sadly, James Wong, who's the man who, where I got this recipe, sadly, he is no longer on our television screens. He had a show called Grow Your Own Drugs, as well as a, yes. a couple of other herb-based programs which extol the virtues of natural remedies and cures for certain ailments using herbs and he was things an that you can achieve. Botanist. Yes. I like to say that. Ethnobotanist. Singapore born now living in the UK. The last I heard one of his programs was doing the rounds in the Americas and Australia. So it's possible that he's leading a life of eggnog loving glory well, across hope. the pond or across several ponds. Seems like and a nice continents. man. He could be my friend. So, you know, Dookie, I'm always building my fantasy family. And so that's why I'm, I'm always looking for brothers and sisters. So I've, you know, and, and I switch about my parents a little bit. Um, but Matt and Leon are definitely my brothers. And Cassie Burke is my sister. She's my fantasy family's sister. British actress, director, yes. and national treasure. She's wonderful. And I think my dad is up between Trevor Phillips and Jon Snow. Jon Snow, the yes. newsreader. Yes. Trevor Phillips. Pardon my Anglo-Saxon English, but... Who the fuck is Trevor Phillips? Oh, sorry, Dookie. I meant Trevor McDonald. Oh, Trevor McDonald. Sir the Trevor McDonald. Yes, he's but, very lovely. But who's Trevor Phillips? I have no idea who Trevor Phillips is. Trevor Phillips, if you're listening, there may be a gig for you here. As yeah, I think I think speaking of eggnog, I think it's going to Sylve's brain because she thought the 25th of December was Karen Carpenter's birthday, and now she's talking about somebody being her dad, who she doesn't know. To be fair to Sylvia, Christmas Day is Dido's birthday, so there is a link to popular, easy-listening, singing women. Christmas is also Shane McGowan's birthday, who's a bit famous for a certain Christmas song. It was Christmas Eve, I don't know who I want to be my mom. Debbie Harry. <gasps> Dookie Debbie Harry. Dookie. De uh, Debbie Harry. Yes, Debbie Harry. I, I, you know, Blondie weren't in my top 10 bands, you know, back in the day, but I always did love her. And now I love her even more because she's just fabulous. She can be my mom. And I want Kathy Burke to be my sister. Kathy Burke, the actress, director, and English instant. She's just, Kathy Burke is just cool on legs. I don't know who her, and Dookie, you know, I was just trying to think of Kathy Burke's American equivalent, and I thought of Janine Garofalo, and Janine Garofalo also needs to be my sister. Janine is all kinds of Janine fab. Janine is the most amazing creature. So this is, this is my family. So Dookie, so Trevor McDonald and Jon Snow. Sylvia, can I cut in here? Yes. I'm noticing that Marsh has been a bit quiet. Yes. And I'm not trying to cause um, any tension between <gasps> you two. Yes, Marsha. Marsha, earlier in the year on the Dookie Radio Show. Maybe that's where I'm getting it from. Not only extolled the virtues of newsreader and all-round 
fantastic man Trevor McDonald, yeah. but made a plea to adopt Trevor as her own father. Yeah, I think because, you know, I'm happy to share, you know, it's all good, but, you know, it's more likely that Trevor's going to be, Sir Trevor is going to be my dad than he is yours. So I don't mean to upset you, but it is true. Perhaps he the is combination more of the blondie blonde and Trevor McDonald would lead to the exquisite yes. beauty that is Sylvia Silversmith. But, you know, because Marcia and I are such good friends and we're good, we're flatmates as well, you know, obviously we're going to have dinner all together, Christmas dinner, so Trevor McDonald would be there anyway because he's your dad. So I'm happy. And then Jon Snow can be my dad. And can you imagine him and Trevor just getting along like a house on fire while they sip their sherry? Comparing news reading notes oh, yes. across the decades. Yes. And then, so, and Debbie Harry, they're just being amazing. And Kathy Burke and Janine Garofalo there. And me and Kathy, because she's big, she's really known, she does like a cigarette. So, you know, we'll be outside and we'll be having girlies chat and stuff like that. And then Matt and Leon will be there with their dogs. And Dookie, you'll be there with Molly. I like this. This oh, sounds like that a, just a sounds fantasy, amazing. That's my fantasy. A fantasy Christmas dinner. My fantasy family, and that is it. And it just makes me happy. To so now that we got a Sylv's um, familial situation all taken care of there. So that's been the highlights of 2014 for the Doogie Radio Show. You know, we got travel in Hamburg. We got... um. The tour to Sylvia's sitting room for sports. We got rock dinosaur assholery for history. Art and literature. We got the Grayson Perry. Uh, entertainment. We got your guys' House of Hugo, Dog Hotel. And uh, science. We got eggnog alchemy. So we done pretty good, right? And let's here's to 2015. Hmm. The old... Fantasy Christmas lineup of, of, of people. Yes. I think we should add Glenn Frey to it. He could be there just to remind us about how wonderful the other people are. I agree. And he could say something along the lines of, three more Brussels sprouts, asshole. And David Gilmore could make <laughs> dinner. And we could all say, oh my God, that was really good. And he could say, what the fuck do you know? It was crap. <laughs> Yeah, so this week, Dookie, I got a Christmas themed overheard, which is good because it's um uh, uh apt. Uh, I saw this gal out. I guess she was with her mom and her kids. Uh, kids pretty cute. Uh, I guess they were, I don't know, I'm not good at kids' ages, but I don't know, like six and eight, something like that. Yeah, anyway, the gal, you know, the kids are kind of keeping themselves amused, and uh, uh, the gal, you know, and her mom are talking. 
And her mom. What? Yes, her mom. And what I overhear the mom say to her daughter is, to tell him pretty soon that Santa Claus doesn't exist because he's starting to look a little simple. God, Jesus, my hemorrhoids are Done with those mugs. To a mere pedestrian or uninitiated local, Penge may appear to be an unremarkable suburb of London. Neither city nor country, neither posh nor destitute. But in this quiet enclave in the southeastern quarter of our nation's capital is an Art Deco semi-detached house owned and occupied by a North American transplant to Blighty named Slutty Sue. She likes to clean. I popped into Slutty Sue's pristine abode and asked, Slutty Sue, what have you been up to? Happy New Year, Dookie. I'm back from my archaeological dig. And I am... Absolutely filthy. On the next Dukey Radio Show, we'll be welcoming Dave Barbarossa into the studio. The legendary drummer from Adam and the Ants, Bow Wow Wow and Republica will be popping in to chat about all things musical, his recently published novel entitled Mud Sharks, as well as his new group, Coordinated. And here they are with Buy This Thing. <laughs> Thank you. 
Primo Communication Persuador Manipulating Audience Is a form of communication Fluffy Highlights of 2014. My name is Dukey and I've been your host. May the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Thanks for listening. Now it's time for me to go and uh, <coughs> pop my weasel. Half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Three more songs, asshole. What the fuck do you know? <laughs>